Let me pray. Father, as we look into your word now, we remember that you tell us when your word goes out, it never returns void. Father, just use me as your vessel to speak. Everything of myself, let it pass through and disappear. And everything of you, let it touch the hearts and the minds of the people. For me as well, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're still uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. We're up to verse 15, which will be our text today. But just to remind us, because some of us haven't been here, I'm going to read um, up to verse 18, 10 to 18. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Amen. I want to tell you a story. I have prepared a sermon this morning, but I've got other things I believe that God wants to share with us this morning. So, It'll be related to the sermon. But I want to tell you a story of a man called Abraham. And I'm not going to read the scripture itself. I'm going to tell you the story. And you can, you can, find, uh, you can find this story in Genesis. And it's Genesis chapter 22 if you want to read it later. But I'm going to tell you the story. It was when Abraham had had a son called Isaac. And God was testing Abraham. 
And he told Abraham to take his son up the mountain to prepare an altar to then take a dagger to kill his son on that altar as a sacrifice and then burn his son. Now we believe this happened. But then, just as Abraham lifts that dagger to strike his son, God says, stop. He says, stop. And over in the thicket, there's a goat or a lamb. whatever you, you, you want to call it. This is what God says. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know, Abraham, that you fear God because, now listen to this, I know you fear God because you have not withheld anything from me. This is powerful stuff. God's saying to Abraham, you haven't, you haven't withheld your only son that you've waited years for. You're prepared to put him to death and sacrifice him to me. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. That was over 4,000 years ago. Two thousand years after that happened, God did provide a sacrifice for sin. He himself acted like Abraham did, the father. He says, I will not withhold my dearest from you. And for you and me, Jesus was sacrificed. He was sacrificed because God loves us that much. He was sacrificed so that we would not be captive to our sin. good news do you think that's good news today that's good news Isaiah 52 verse 7 it's a wonderful verse that we all know and we sing it it says how beautiful 
on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. There's a favourite hymn of mine, and me and Ian sing it in the car sometimes as we're, we're driving along. And it's called Reign in Me. Sovereign Lord, reign in me. He says this, captivate my heart. Let your kingdom come. Establish in me your throne. He says, let your will be done. Powerful words. Worth learning and worth singing daily. You know, so far, we've considered in the armor of God the belt of truth buckled round our waist. And we shared how important it was for us to be honest and truthful. Not even telling those little white lies. How important they are. You see, you know from those little white lies, very quickly, big problems can come. And then we spoke last week about the righteousness, the breastplate, of putting on this breastplate of right, that we're right with God. And we can't be right with God of ourselves. What makes us right with God is Jesus' sacrifice, our trust and belief in that, and His Holy Spirit coming in and living in here, in this, as Beck said, in this wretch. Because that's what I am, apart from Christ. Verse 15 is our text today. It says this. Let me go back to it and just... It says this. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness in place. And then it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The New, the New American Standard Bible puts it slightly different, and I, I prefer this particular. It says, And having your feet, and having shod your feet, I mean put on your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we buckle up with truth. 
We put on this breastplate God's attributes of right. We're now righteous. We're now right with God. And then it says, listen, prepare your feet. Get your feet prepared. And this is to every born-again Christian. He says, get your feet prepared. You know, I worked, me and Nigel worked in the motor industry, the automotive industry, for many years. And one of the things I particularly took care, two things I particularly took care when I was teaching the staff that I had over 30 years I've been doing it. Two things in particular. One, that they had good tires on their car. And two, that when they put the foot on their brake, it stopped. They're the two things that I said, listen, if they're not right, I can be done for manslaughter. People don't recognize that when they go to the garage to get the cars fixed. I don't know how many tires have fitted. I've sold thousands upon thousands of tires. And every time I've sold them, and every time I've taught, I've said, fit the best that your money can buy. Because there's going to maybe come a time when you need to stop and not die or kill somebody else. So take your money and use it well. And I used to teach the lads that. I used to prepare them for those times when people would come in and say, oh, just put a, just put, that'll do. Have you not got any second-hand ones? Have you not got any, uh, it doesn't matter if there's no tread on it. I just want legal. I used to prepare them for those people. Because I'd say, if you want to die, mate, that's up to you. And then I take a moment of time to share with them different things that have happened with people with tires who have died or killed somebody else, young children. You know what? The technology in tires is more than any other part of the car. There's more technology in a tire than there is in the, the uh, computer in a car. When you think about it, you know those tires, they're going to drive along that road for 15,000 miles or so. They're going to hit potholes and bumps and glass and nails and everything. You take the computer of the car and put that along the road at 70 mile an hour for about a second and it's going to break. But that tyre keeps on going. It's important, <clears throat> even for us, that we wear the right footwear, isn't it? You know, when I go to work and I'm going to do something which I think is particularly dangerous, I put on my steel toe caps. If I don't think I'm going to do something different, I wear these because they're fantastic now. My wife bought me them. They're called, what do they call them? Sketches. They're called sketches. They're so comfortable. Amazing. If they had steel toe cap sketches, I'd wear them. 
they're that good. But the reason we do those things is because, you know, we forget sometimes how important our feet are. Michael's just shared this morning about diabetes and you losing the loss of your feet. You can't go very far, can you? You can't do very much, can you? That's how important our feet are. If you take your shoes off and you, you do a, like Jill, a, 10 mile, a 10K Jill, yeah? I think she'd have a few more blisters than what she put on her feet. So what do we do? We put on the right footwear, don't we? You know, these top sportsmen, Nike and Adidas and all these other footwears, they put them on so they can perform better. It's important what we put on our feet. You see, Paul in verse 15, he's speaking about preparation for the battle. How important, how imperative it is for a soldier to wear the right footwear. And especially in Paul's day, they do it today anyway, they'll have great big strong boots. So no matter what the terrain is, their feet, they're going to be able to walk. And the same in, in ancient times. These soldiers, especially the Roman soldiers, they had these great big thick leather-soled sandals. And they would strap them right up to here. And under those sandals, they often had these like studs. And they, those studs, with those studs, they were able, when it was wet, the ground was wet, they were able to not slip. You forget that, don't we? We think the Roman sandals were like, a bit like Beck's got on and our Carol's got on now. They weren't. Those sandals were made so that they could walk miles and miles and miles. That they wouldn't slip. And when they come to that battle, you know what they'd do? They would prepare their armour. They would normally rest if they could and prepare for the next day for that battle. They would make sure that when they went into that battle, if it was going to rain, they weren't going to slip. Can you imagine it, can't you? Just about to strike your enemy and you slip. And instead of you striking them, they end up striking you. You see, what we put on our feet and what we wear in a battle, it's vital. It's vital in our defence. And it's a vital thing when we're going to attack. And to do this, we need to prepare to have the right stuff on our feet. You know what the word gospel means? I've just, I've just read it to you. Good news. That's what it means. Good news. Let me read it again. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The gospel, that is. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. Who proclaim peace. You see, we've got to be prepared.
We've got to know what that gospel is. You see, if we don't know what the gospel is, this gospel of peace, how can we prepare for the battle? And that sounds, you know, oh, well, we all know the gospel. It isn't quite as simple as that. You see, the gospel news, the good news of peace is that Jesus Christ alone, Him only, He brings it. See, without Jesus Christ, we have no peace. 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says this, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, we've been given a ministry, not just me or Nigel or Michael or, or, or Stephen. We've, those who are born here, we've all, men and women, have been given this ministry of reconciliation. And the good news is this. That Jesus died so that we could be reconciled to God. That's the good news. He died upon the cross because we are unable to save ourselves. God could see that and He saw it before time and He says, I'm going to make a way for men and women to be reconciled to God. My son. I'm going to tell you about it when you show you Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. And then I'm going to come and do that very thing 2,000 years ago for you and me. You see, again, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, this is what Paul writes. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. He then says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You see, when you're born again, you become an ambassador of the gospel of the good news. And to be an ambassador, to take that message from... If I, if I become the ambassador, ambassador for the UK to, I don't know, Egypt, my role there is to take the news of our country to Egypt and to be our country's representative. And when our country wants to speak to Egypt, they speak through the ambassador who then goes to the Egyptian government and speaks as the representative. That's what Christ does with us. He says, I'm going to use you as my ambassadors for heaven. Wow. Being the ambassador for the, the US is a big job. Let me tell you, it's not as big as being the ambassador for Christ. 
You've got a job. A big job. Now listen, let me, let me, let me just share something with you. I've got five minutes. As I'm talking now, as I'm saying to you, you're, you're, you're to be the ambassador for Christ. You're to take the good news of peace out. And the peace is this, that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And you might think, oh, I'm not smart enough. I, I, I'm not clever enough. I don't know my Bible well enough. Let me tell you, you don't need to. You see, as ambassadors, we're not called to know every bit of the Bible. In fact, there's no man who knows every bit of the Bible. And God isn't calling us, as some people think they are, to be an apologist for the gospel. What do I mean by an apologist? An apologist is somebody who will take the Word of God, read through it, and he'll be able to stand and argue why Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not asking you to do that. We won't win any arguments through being super, super knowledgeable when we speak about the gospel, trying to, trying to argue that, you know, science is this or science is that and God is there. That's not what Christ has given us. That's okay. If you, if you want to do that, then go and study it. Go and find out all these little things that you need to know to go and argue with the smart scientist who's a professor. Jesus is not asking. He does call some to be apologists. He does. But for us, he calls us to do it very simply. I asked a lady the other day if she would come and give her testimony. And she said to me, Oh, I can't, oh, I can't do that. Oh, you know, all, all things that's happened in my life so bad. I says, listen, not interested in all the bad things that you've done. I said, Jesus has forgotten them and forgiven them. I said, what I'm interested in hearing is how Jesus comes into your life. And since he came in, what has he done and changed you? And she went, oh. I said, you can do that, can't you? She said, oh yeah, I could do that. You see, people think that when we give testimony, we have to tell them how bad we were. We have to tell them how good Jesus is. How he loves them. How he came. How God, you know, it would be wonderful just to learn that story. I often use that story of Abraham. It would be wonderful to use a story like that and just, in your own simple words, and say, you know, this is what God done. And he showed it in 2,000 years later. You don't have to be smart. But what we do have to do is prepare. Get your feet prepared. Be ready to share your gospel. There are people out there who need to know about Jesus. There are people out there who are, they don't realize it, but they are desperate for Jesus. And out there, the world will tell them, don't do this. You'll have to give up everything. 
and become some super holy God and you can't do it. So you're going to fail. It's a lie. You are going to fail. I fail. We all fail. What counts is not us, but Jesus in us. Put on the readiness. Put on your feet. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So you can go out there. You can be peacemakers for Jesus. That's what he wants you to do. If you're not doing it, if you're not shared in the gospel, let me tell you, you should do and you should be. And you need to be ready, willing, all the time to share that Jesus on that cross died that I can be reconciled to God. There's no other way. It's either Jesus or the highway. That's the truth. Amen. Let us pray. Father, forgive us that we don't prepare. And Father, in not preparing, we're always in danger. Lord, I pray for those who you're speaking to. Lord, I pray that they would not be concerned about failing but they would realize and recognize that you would open their eyes and show them that Jesus didn't fail. And because he didn't fail, they won't fail. Father, you loved us so much that you sacrificed your son. Forgive us, Father, for not being what we should be for not doing what we should do. Lord, bless us this week. Give us opportunities to share the gospel of peace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.